Yes, hello. I am James Rowland. Today it's dubbing art 372. It's NXT UK. And today I have the pleasure to be joined by Monty. How you doing, man? You're right. What's up, James? How you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm happy to be back, revitalized, ready to talk about NXT. Oh, uh, oops, I mean the UK version. <laughs> well, about to say people might be surprised because you usually join me for the American one, but today it's the good old <laughs> British edition. And the last time we covered NXT UK together was NXT UK Prelude. Have you been keeping up with the? Uh, you know, off and on. I, uh, you know, I was keeping up with it until you know, of course, you uh, hit me up and I went back and decided to, uh, you know, catch up so we can do this review the right, the proper way. Uh, I, I, you know, with school ending, I had a little bit more free time, so I was able to catch it on Thursdays. You know, it's right in the, it's, it's like 2 or 3 p.m., I think, here where I live in, in the USA, like in the middle of the day on Thursday. You know, I had to be lucky to have time for it for the most part. And uh, lately, the last few weeks, I've been gracious. I've been Blessed with time, I guess. So I was able to catch up on everything and kind of uh, get an idea of what's been going on and what's uh, thing. But I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm not gonna lie. Like I uh, have watched every NXT UK show ever, uh, but I have definitely caught up, and I'm confident that this will be posit- a positive review. <laughs> well, well, without a doubt, like I said. Demand. They want more Monty on the Dovinar podcast. So, of course, NXT update is what we do, but NXT UK now uh, as well. And the thing is, you talk about being an expert. And of course, we did the Japanese podcast, the NJPW. And, and of course, you were kind of leading into that. With NXT UK, these are the guys who I've kind of seen uh, in local arenas, you know, like kind right. of. 50 or 100 people uh, six, seven years ago, and they've all kind of gone to NXT UK. I still can't believe my luck sometimes. Um, so, like I said, with the product. Also, with it, it's the only show that's still an hour. I say it's still an hour because usually about an hour and ten, maybe sometimes. Yeah. Um, so it's quite nice to have on the schedule because obviously with WNR, there's like six weekly shows that I watch. It's still nice Ooh. to have that hour there to kind of get it done. But we've got five episodes to review and, of course, the latest on the WWE Network. But we've got a lot of news. And, and first off, we're going to start off with um, some sad news because, unfortunately, Bobby Eaton... Uh, passed away um, of course a uh, Huntsville Alabama native as well uh, this was really really sad news of course a 40 year career he broke in at the age of 17 with the NWA Mid-America and just two years caps his first championship by team with Leap and Lanny Poffo to claim the NWA Mid-American tag team titles after the Supercontinental Wrestling Association he joined forces with Dennis Condry to carry the torch to member Midnight Express Beautiful Bobby and lover boy Dennis quickly rose to prominence in Jim Crockett Motions, won the AWO World Tag Team titles from the Rock and Roll Express. Following Condrey's departure, Midnight Express carried on with Sweet Stan Lane, team with Eaton for Memorials against the Simone SWAT team, and the fabulous Free Birds, the Star and the Brothers and more for the United States Tag Team Reign. Um, you Eaton would make a strong singles run from the departure of Lane, defeated Arn Anderson to win World Television Championship Super Bowl 1, and he had a feud with uh, Rick Rude, Lars Busky, and uh, Steve Austin as well. And, of course, we, he culminated in a uh, Wrestle War 1992 match against Sting Squadron as well with Stinson Smokey in wrestling. Um, he's probably one of the most underrated and nicest superstars in the business, uh, and he will be missed. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bobby Eaton? Of course, that was sad news this week. Yeah, like you said, it's always unfortunate when we lose a member of the community, a fam, uh, you know, in the family that we, we all are part of as fans and as members of uh, the wrestling community and it, it sucks 
I my I was first familiar with him. I was like literally two years old, and this is way towards the end of his career. I think he was still in WCW in like '96, '97, and he would he would work uh, a couple of matches every now and then. And I it was he was already like 20 years in by the time I became familiar with him. So it just shows you, like you said, the legacy and you know and uh, how important he was. Uh, you know, the Midnight Express, like they have a, I, I'm from the Southern America. They have a, a really, a, it's just a, it's, a, it's a very strong legacy here in South, Southern America. So the Midnight Express uh, are, you know, in, in synonymous with just great storylines, great wrestling. It was a great time. Uh, just he has a great history and it really, really sucks that, uh, you know, that his time uh, came. And like I said, it's one of those unfortunate realities that, you know, comes along with being a fan of wrestling is that we're all blessed to see whatever day, you know, that next day, especially when you're in this business, because you never know when it's your last. It's amazing. You know, when you think about how advanced in age he got, it's amazing that you make it that long when you were a pro wrestling. You entertain us by putting your body on the line for that long, you know. So I, it always sucks, but it's just one of those things that comes with the business. And uh, my condolences to anyone. Uh, close to the family or the family of Bobby. Yeah, it was it was a tough it was tough news. Always tough news. Yeah, without that, and the thing is, is that the only maybe positive from this is that it might shed light more on the career that maybe hasn't had uh, that much attention these past, you know, couple of decades. But of course, he will be missed, of course, Emily, on the Dublin Art podcast. All right, so we move on now, and uh, the next bit of news: WWE releases, because it seems that near enough every week, nor every month. There seems to be a shocking release. And, of course, with Braun Strowman, you're thinking, well, with that, you can't get any crazier. And then uh, there's a story this week. Bray Wyatt being released, man. I mean, what the fuck, you know? Oh, my God. It was just terrible. It's just I couldn't believe it. You know, uh, it was one of those things that you kind of wonder. But, you know, I never really thought they would pull the plug. But I did also, like you said, you mentioned Braun Strowman. When you lose someone like that, that is so tailor made to what WWE really wants to do, uh, it, it's just it's crazy in itself. And then when you think on that Bray Wyatt, or now you think about in, in totality, the entire Wyatt family has now been or just they're no more. You know, uh, one of the you know I've I like I said I don't see how Triple H as just some as the creative NXT and how much things he's things he's innovated over the last five to ten years. And just when you see acts like the Wyatt family or, uh, you know, that to add them to the list like or add Bray Wyatt to that list of talent that we've seen come and go before they were able to, you know, even get close to fulfilling their potential. Because, you know, he's done he did a lot of great things, uh, especially character wise and storyline wise. But at the same time, we all know he never was exactly where he could have been. And it's just it's crazy the amount of people that I can apply that to. Braun Strowman included. So, it, uh, it's, it's, like you said, the the release is one thing. The timing of it is just uh, was insane to me. You know, when it happened, it, I didn't believe it. And then when I saw the original post, you, you finally, you know, you understand what was going on. Uh, the last thing I heard about Bray Wyatt before that was personal stuff. So you're just hoping that it was, you know, good and it wasn't something else that could make anything spiral even more out of control for him personally. So all you can do is just wish the best. I know at the end of the day, creatively, and as far as the wrestling business, it'll take care of itself. He's a genius. 
he'll come up with something else that'll have us captivated somewhere else. I don't worry about him character-wise and storyline-wise, but as far as who he is personally and how he feels and how this situation played out, you have to feel for anyone who's... There's a lot of people been losing their job for a long time since this pandemic kicked off, but it's just... It's, it's insane. You know, uh, over 100 wrestlers. You know, yeah, it, it, it is. It, it's, it's insane. It's insane. <laughs> it is. Well, considering he's 34 years old, well, just Bray Wyatt, you know, 34 right. years old, um, you know, won the WWE Championship Universal title twice, Royal Tag Team and SmackDown Tag Team Champions, won the uh, year-end award for Best Male Wrestler 2019. The main event of last year's SummerSlam, yeah. not even got to this year's SummerSlam, was Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. We're both no longer in the company. And you talk about, you know, the Shield get kind of talked up so much, and you could argue that the last kind of two stars that we've built since the kind of John Cena generation have been Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Yeah. But for, for all the good stuff from the Shield, they dropped the ball with the Whites. Because one of my favourite matches is Elimination Chamber 2014. Yeah. Shield versus the Whites, man. And, and that was made up of the Whites as good and equal. And I just can't believe what WWE have done. It's like a, a bad dream where you go, why, why, why is this happening? You know, and it's like, and, and a merchandise thing as well. It's not like he's not, selling you know i'm i'm a collector of stuff you know i like i've got kind of kind of undertaker collection i was thinking who's the next superstar and it's kind of bray white like fire fire funhouse stuff and yeah. and it's you know and he's making a bucket and you're thinking what are the reasonings just because he's not happy you know like it it, it didn't make sense and it was like you said he's the perfect you know i make the point about braun Strowman being that guy stature wise and maybe you know, uh, you know, physically, he's definitely what WWE wants. But character-wise, and like you said, merch and just uh, a ton of ideas, like over the years, how much that we can credit to him for coming up with. You know, uh, if you if you even like or any or care anything about what's been going on with Alexa Bliss for the last six months, it's directly related to him, if you know what I mean. So, like, it's just it's, it's amazing when you think about it. How much, you know, we like it's how much wasted potential there. You know, when you look back and you think about, like you, like you said, the wise versus the shield, at that moment, it just felt like this was going to be something that we, for a long time, these two entities, whether they are together or not, this is where it felt like they were the future of that company. And like you said, for Roman himself, pretty much the only be the survivors left of that. It's amazing in itself. And that's just what six, seven years. And now we have, like you said, a, a complete it's a whole missing there like i said bray wyatt was perfect for them in so many ways and it's just a, a massive missed opportunity do you think it's difficult for alexa bliss as well because now it's like okay you're gonna carry on the character that someone else curated you know yeah. what, what she must be thinking as well like it must be difficult <laughs> you know, kind of... yeah, and there's gonna be it's a lot of i've already seen the, a lot of uh unnecessary blame shifted her way as if she has some control over not only them keeping Wyatt employed, but you know, making the character switch. You know, it's not it's not in her control. It's a it's a crazy situation and place to be in. I can only imagine what it's been like for her, like you said, mentally and all of that. What is the future now of this Lily character? How can I make it my own? It's just so much stuff that that like you said, they just put her and not 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 just her, but the entire roster also just as a coworker. How do you move around they're knowing that if I'm not involved with something or if, uh, if something is, if this, something goes wrong, I could be gone right now. Just like that fast. It, it's, it's a thing. It, so, oh, I, don't, but, so, go on. 
Oh, yeah, I was just about to say, I don't know. The mentality of anybody who works there right now has to be shaken. It's like, you know, you see floods in like Australia or fires and stuff like that, and then you get it over in England, you see stuff in America, hurricane, you think, oh, it's the end of days. Like a literally apocalypse. Like we've had like COVID now <laughs> for two years. And then you think, watch WWE, and they kind of get rid of like top level talent. You're going, this isn't right. This is the equivalent of like flooding. I, I can't quite get it. And And someone who's kind of, <laughs> stoking the fire as well as Ronda Rousey because she tweeted out I've seen some fans chanting we want fire last night of course during the um Raw in Chicago and we want Reach Balls over Bray White performing if WWE treated him like he was a federal it's because you ungrateful idiots did first now Ronda I don't mind you getting involved in this but when the idiots are actually making one of the biggest merchandise sellers and he gets a reaction surely it's WWE's uh, manage, mismanagement of him, isn't it? Exactly, and you know, I like you said, I, she she has a right to to say or feel how she feels, and uh, it is you know, I, I don't want to get into how people because a lot of people was turning this into a, a lot of stuff I saw turning that into how they feel about Ronda, and we know she's not the most popular person when it comes to wrestling fans at all, probably in general if you really want to think about it, as especially as compared to what she was. But that's, it's not really about her. What she's saying is, is, like I said, it may be some truth there. That it was some, a lot of times where he was underappreciated even by people, the fans, maybe. But again, I don't, I, I, like you said, she's missing the point of any of the, if it, if it ever was a beach ball situation, if it ever was one of those situations going on, it was not because of Wyatt. It was because of, no, they weren't saying trending the beach balls because of Wyatt. It was because of what they had Wyatt doing in the moment wasn't, you know, what they wanted. And like I said, you can be unfair. You can you can take that moment in time and try to make your overall point. And, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll find that. At the end of the day, it comes back to the fans are chanting that. They, they want why because they see a guy like a Goldberg. I don't know how you can look at Goldberg and not think the Delta. You know what I mean? How can yeah. you not, like, how can you not think of that, that moment, that something that didn't even need to happen that we all know now, on all accounts, that Goldberg, you know, asked for it. And, you know, forget forget about backstage stuff. The, like I said, the point is that we all feel like this was wrong, not even, not just because of what happened to Wyatt, but just because we know how much of a genius he is. Like, why would you give that away? And it's, but, just, it's yeah. hard to fathom it. It's hard to wrap your head around it. it it's WWE's systematic failing of building future stars and relying back on now. And, of course, you know, Edge and John Cena are going to be in the two main event matches, SummerSlam, are the two guys, you know, 10 years previous, 15 years previously, what, 2006, were main event in SummerSlam there. The problem with that is in 10 and 15 years' time, you can't bring, apart from the range or Rollins, you can't bring back stars from that. And I think why people still chant CM Punk, especially in Chicago, and why John Cena in a promo references The Rock and Stone Cold still, is because those types of characters aren't around. And the reason CM Punk is still kind of got this mythical yep. thing about him is because people knew what he was about. They understood it quite simply as like best in the world and what he was focused on. And that's what is missing now. And I think WWE fans, even in Chicago, are missing out on chanting or even singing along. You know, you've got Nakamura's theme, but they need kind of more fan interaction, even stuff to chant yeah. and there's just there's nothing you know there's we want seen a chance you know which have been going on for god knows how long you get the woos in the crowd and it's like there is no new kind of thing and i think that is 
WWE's fault as opposed to the talent sometimes. Exactly. And I think the talent gets a bad rap in a lot of the, these cases that, uh, you know, they don't have this or they don't have that. When, you know, it was a lot of things that went into it. You know, you don't consider Road Dog one of the greatest mat wrestlers or, or technical wrestlers ever. But like you said, all throughout the night in the Attitude Era, it was guys like Road Dog. It was people like Too Cool who had something for the fans to do, whether it was just dancing, cheering Rikishi on, whether it was doing the catchphrases with Road Dog. It was things like that, that even if you weren't that guy in the ring necessarily, you were you still meant something, and that kept everyone engaged. And like you said, it made those shows those shows feel different, feel have a have a feel that we don't know if we'll ever see again. And like you said, that's not just on the today's talent. That's on that's on creative decision. That's on uh, talent having a lack of freedom in some cases. You know what I mean? Who knows how many catchphrases or possible things that could have caught on with fans that has been shot down immediately. By you know, creator for whatever reason. Like like we said, the fun. Like you said, in every facet of the being, they have failed in giving us the level of star power or people that to take seriously enough that is not named Roman Reigns and like you said, maybe a Seth Rollins. Even though you know uh, they've had a, 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 a surplus, like more than enough talent and to make it, but they haven't built that star and gave it you know whatever it is that WWE is looking for. They have not been able to find it. And it's just been amazing to see just how much talent now they're just, they're going up. They're just running the number up. It is. They're running through. It's, it's just crazy. It was, it's like, you know, you talk about Wade Barrett, even going back to that, you know, with yeah. the Nexus, the kind of, Me even through, you know, ride back it and, and people like that. They're not just, it's just, it's, it's mental. And I think another thing with, AEW and what they do right is that when you watch a show, at least it's fun. You're going to sing along to, you know, you're going to sing along to Judas. You're going to sing along to start charting cowboy shit. And I think that's something that they've got that WWE just forget sometimes because they treat maybe fans just like customers. And it's like, is who you cheer. Don't try anything kind of organic or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's a, and, and that's a, that's something that's doing WWE a disservice is like you said, that viewing, uh, the fans of now more like consumers, you know, instead of looking at them as a part of the show. And as much as they would like, as much as they give us the talk as things have come back to life about how important we are to the show and all of that, we all know that they give the crowd, they give us as the audience, the proverbial middle finger consistently, actually. So it's, it's kind of yeah. crazy when you think <laughs> about that, uh, how many times. And I think at some point fans are going to, like, at some point, you're going to have to – we can't just accept budget cuts and keep moving on. I think that's another thing. Like, I'm not trying to say what uh, – I, I forgot who said – I think it was Renee who said that AW fan – Renee Young, formerly known as Renee Young, uh, said that, uh, you know, fans in AW are not treated as dumb as they treat – you know, WWE, WWE fans are treated like, you know, they're ignorant to what's going on while AW fans kind of are in the loop. And that, that's at least to a gist of what I got basically. And so it's kind of coming back to that, if you see what I'm saying. We You constantly get treated a certain way or viewed as a certain way as as the audience. And then at the same time, they want you to be just as invested as a part of the show as you need to be to make a great wrestling show or a great wrestling environment. And it's just not there because a lot of people have been alienated. I've seen in the last few months 
especially with the wide releases and, you know, even when the Strowman thing happened, I've seen a lot of people say that this is like they, they their hearts have been broken and they're, they don't know how to how to watch WWE anymore. And that's what I'm saying. When you get people to that where they're just like they don't even know if morally they should watch you. Like something is wrong. And yeah, that's one thing that I do want to say. Like at the end of the day, WWE has a problem that they have to fix because you're 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 cutting the face of people who've been watching you their whole life. I think that is an excellent point. And the worrying thing now, it's not just Raw and SmackDown that they've decided to fuck up. It's NXT as well, because um, there's been a couple of huge stories uh, breaking up. And uh, it emerged that Adam Cole's contract with WWE has actually expired after the Great American Bash on July 6th. He agreed a short-term deal that seemed work through SummerSlam, allowing him to... Uh, finish his uh, feud with Carl O'Reilly. And then there was a talk about him having meetings with Vincent Mann on SmackDown. Of course, his uh, girlfriend is Britt Baker, the AW Women's Champion, which would be a fit. Uh, but what scares me is the chronic mismanagement of letting someone like Adam Cole, who was the longest reign NXT champion and the probably face of NXT for the past three or four years, to let his contract wind down like this. Uh, 100%. I think that is the more... It's not even about the contract being up or where he could possibly land because, you know, Adam Cole was a big star independently before he ever joined the, before he ever joined WWE and got in the Undisputed Era. He could have got a job probably anywhere internationally that he wanted. So it's not so much as, like you said, that it's as excited as everyone may be for what possibly could be coming for Adam Cole somewhere else. It's the fact that, like you said, he was literally the face of that brand it just it, it just breathes and just sh- it just shows how important that even someone who's top level top notch NXT brass how how can important can he actually feel if it gets to this point if they haven't given him anything that he likes or listened to any of uh, his demands no matter whatever they are as far as the negotiations go it it can make you feel like okay so I see how much you really value me you know and not so much Triple H this is straight up business with the man upstairs vent so when you when you're doing business like that and you see like you said it gets to this level to where we're almost at the finish line here and we don't know what's going on it just shows how important NXT has been on or at least guys in the guys and girls in NXT how important they rank on the scale of when it comes to you know importance in Vince McMahon or priorities they're not as high a priority as they probably should be especially when you take on account that Barring maybe a certain things that SmackDown does, they're pretty much the best programming you've had in the last year, especially post-pandemic. So it, it's just it's insane to me, like you said, how a guy like Adam Cole could even be at this point. The, the thing is about it is, is you know, you, you, you see that and then it's like, oh, Alistair Black, 30-day release clause, so allowed him to go AEW, make, make a huge impact. And then I, I hear say that made my blood run cold as well is in fact pete dunn his pete contracts dunn. are portly expiring as well and i'm thinking these are the guys who i thought were going to be the future like you don't yeah. you don't fucking keep tazaro and then release pete dunn or, do you know what i mean don't let pete dunn yeah. get there like he's a guy i mean he last wrestled um on what i think it was the the 21st of july uh or 27th episode of july and you're thinking yeah. oh they're going to build St. up with ridge holland and then you don't see him. You're wondering what's going on. I mean, Pete Dunne and Cole, if you're going to name two of the best wrestlers in NXT, maybe WWE, they'd be on your list top five, wouldn't they? Like Exactly. Two in the world. They're top ten at least. 
in the world, top 10, top 15, maybe, depending on who you, know, who you want to put. But, yeah, two of the best in the world. And you let them get down to, like you said, that point to where now it's, you know, it's crunch time and he he's definitely going to be receiving or they're both going to be receiving offers and getting looks from everywhere because other, everywhere else would be fools not to try, in my opinion. So, yeah, it, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And if you're, you know, how do you know exactly – What's, what's going on if you're like someone like Triple H who really don't have much control in this either. Like, I, I feel sorry when I see certain things for a lot, not only the talent who has the work and just continue to move on as if things are okay, but also like people behind the scenes who have plans that are now just in the air. Who knows what could have been planned for Adam Cole months down the line. But I can't, you can't execute that plan now because I don't even know if he's going to be here in the next few months or whatever. You know, same thing with Pete Dunne. So it's just nerve-wracking situation, a nerve-wracking situation all around. And it, it really sucks when you're, especially in NXT, when, like I said, Triple H has been cooking up quality stuff for a while. And even if the ratings have been fluctuating, going up and going down, he's had a consistent 600 to 700,000 fan base that's there and who knows what that could turn into with more you know time and maybe if things open back up and they got the crowd environment that full cell used to have back going have back going who knows what could happen with nxt and you know and when you think about that when you lose something when you could possibly lose out of code pete dunn that is crippling to to a brand that already has had to give up guys like Keith lee and you know uh chunks of their brand and looking like cross will be going moving up soon also so it's just like it, like what is the future of nxt when you it, look at stuff like that it is it is crazy and, and and it was like an episode of kind of 24 during smackdown because you had different split screens so not only did you have the normal kind of programming going on you know with uh roman reigns and everything that trying to build up SummerSlam, but also the other side having cole having a secret meeting with vincent man and also quietly announced on twitter uh, leases Bobby Fish, Bronson Reed, Jay Catalyst, Ari Sterling, Connor Reeves, Leon Ruff, Stephen Smith, Tyler Rust, Zachary Smith, Asher Hale, Giant Zangier, and Mercedes Martinez. Uh, the release of Ruff and Reed being two of the last four North American champions are no longer with WWE. And of course, um, as we'd say, Tyler Rust, aka Aaron Paul, was part of the new um, Diamond Mind stable i've talked about this recently about the left hand not talking about the right talks to the right um i mean what you think about these releases it is shocking especially the man management at this point in time yeah it's, it's insanity and like you said within not i don't i think it's exactly a week i only think it was within a week from the bray wyatt news you know you get this news and it was just it, i was literally i literally got on my twitter five minutes before uh sean ross sat first um, immediately i think put out the post and i literally just got bombarded with five or six tweets in a row telling me about people and i just couldn't believe it if it wasn't the, f- the fact that i knew that usually when sean ross said something he's had it confirmed i probably you know wouldn't have even believed it because it just happened so fast and it was rapid it was an entire list and and like you said a bronson reed who we just had like three months ago was just the north american champion and just had that moment that we were that, that one of the best moments of the year so far with his with his family and his wife and all ready to be released and Leon Ruffles had a great had a great moment winning the North American champion 
great run, just someone who I thought had established himself as more than a job or more than someone who who was just coming and going in WWE. Seemed like he had possibly a future. Maybe who knows what what he could have been doing. And you know now he's gone. And you know Jake Atlas, who uh, the year before, I think in 2019, before the pandemic, was one of the most sounded out free agents. You know they were bragging on the fact that they picked up Jake Atlas and how much he would mean to them in the future. And now he's already you know back out. And it's just it's, it's amazing. You know some other pe- names that you know uh, you may have not seen on NXT in a while, like Conor Reeves. You know maybe you probably could expect some of that, but. You know, mid-storyline for a lot, or like, you know, mid-establishment, because Tyler Russ is still trying to establish himself. And I thought the Diamond Man was basically pretty much building for something for him. Honestly, at least that's the way I thought that the direction they could have been going. But that's exactly my point when I say that Triple I don't know how you can write the show and not throw all the papers in the air or just burn everything and get ready to start from scratch because you don't know what you're playing with. You know, you got someone mixing up your, you know, you go to the grocery store, you pick out everything, and it's like as soon as he gets to the checkout line, Vince McMahon is literally taking out the gro- certain groceries. He's like, nope, nope, you don't need that. You don't need this. Nope, not this. Or not even just Vince. You know, uh, I think I've seen Nick Khan's name. Whoever is pulling the plug on these releases is literally just handicapping Triple H the closer he gets to trying to put something together. So, I like, I, like I said, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for everyone who's lo- losing their jobs. It, it's just it was insane. I actually couldn't even finish SmackDown last night due to this news because I just felt bad. Like how can yeah. I watch wrestling and just enjoy, and continue to enjoy the show like that didn't happen while I'm watching the Street Profits wrestle or whatever? It's like no, I, I can't continue to watch this. Uh, I, I'll I'll worry about it and rewatch it some other time. But yeah, it was just it was tough and man, I, I don't understand it, James. I really don't. I just I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. I've never seen a wrestler having a kind of dark match to be called up to the main roster with Bronson Reed and then get released. Like, I just don't, like you said, it's just not, it, it's like some kid has grabbed your 2K general manager mode and releasing all the best fucking ones and leaving, you know, <laughs> uh, Baron Corbin as a champion. Like, I just right. don't, I, I can't <laughs> fathom it. And it's like, I heard the craziest thing of someone going, I think it's obviously on Twitter going, well, WWE's plan is over is obviously to release the talent. So it oversaturates the market for AEW. And I thought <laughs> if some fucking idiot thinks Bray Wyatt and, and, you know, going to AEW is going to be bad in any way for anybody or any of this talent. I, I mean, it's the independent scene is going to be on fire in a few months oh, time. Yes. You know? Oh, yes. Yes. Now, that's exactly that's one optimistic thing. That's one thing I, that, that makes that whole makes this whole pandemic and COVID still being around really suck is that independent wrestling at this moment is probably set up to be in one of the best situations it has been in. Probably I don't know I don't know if independent wrestling has probably ever had this much talent just available and ready to work anywhere at any time. You know, uh, so you know that's probably one optimistic thing. Like I said, like one thing is if, if these people choose. You know, I'm pretty sure, like, Bronson Reed pretty much already uploaded his resume to his Twitter and let everyone know <laughs> that he's ready for, uh, you know, work. So, like, uh, if these people can choose to continue to wrestle, the one positive night is that I think it'll be plenty of places who would, who, you know, where the demand will be high for people who want to wrestle. But, man, it really, really – so Bobby Fish, didn't even mention Bobby Fish. Bobby I Fish. thought about that. You know, Bobby Fish, we talked about it. The odd man out. 
for so long in this undisputed era story and like what where would he fit in and i, I knew it would be rough because i, I you know you have to establish a newer identity identity kind of like roger strong and you know what kyle o'reilly has uh, has been attempting to do and before he could ever even get a chance to even give us a, a taste of what that may be he's out of the picture so it, it, it's just it's it's sad and it's just crazy to me how this worked out. And again, I remember a few years ago, it was a trend that NXT guys and gals who got called up were getting, you know, whatever it is, their value were downplayed, whatever it was the main rock. It was a trend. I think now, without a doubt, we all know that just if you're on the NXT roster, whether you make it up to the, to the main roster or not, it's not necessarily the safest job in the world. You know, your future is you may be having fun while you're in NXT, but your future is always up in the air as of right now if you're an NXT performer. And, uh, you know, it really sucks to me when you think about it that way because you have no clue. You have no idea. You make you think you could be on Monday Night Raw one, one day or whatever or, you know, headlining. Who knows? But you have no clue because you either could be cut, you either can make it to the main roster and everything about you get changed. You know, it's all types of things, and, you know, that's unsettling to me. The thing is, with the moment, is, like you said, it's really, really tough to kind of put a positive spin on things. Um, And and the thing is, as well, even when you hear, like, with AEW, and, of course, the big story a couple of weeks back was called CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, if they go to AEW, I mean, I watch Dynamite anyway, you know, but they've been doing well at the moment. Is there any negatives? Again, this is what I'm trying to think from AEW signing X WWE talent, but it's not like it's no offense to Zack Ryder, but it's not Zack Ryder levels. They're actually people I think can change the product. Yeah. I mean, if AEW gets CM Punk, especially like Chicago, Chicago, I mean that's going to be immense, isn't it? Oh yeah, but uh, the, the buzz around the company will be so high that I don't even know if it'll matter what he what what incarnation of punk or what he even decides to do. He could just decide that he's going to come and just be a correspondent every now and then. And the buzz around it will just be so big because he is who he is and what he means to the business. I think it will work, but especially if he decides to come to the ring in any format, give a go to sleep. And like you said, in that arena, and if he gets to keep coach of personality, like every, everything, and not, not, not that he needs that song, but I'm just saying you put that on top of it. that moment is just going to be un like, I don't know how do you top that moment and how do you, you know, of course, Vince McMahon is always going to say that he doesn't view anyone or any of those, any other company as competition, but I don't know how you can look at them with a, like you said, with what they already have with who they have a chance with chances of getting with the Brian Daniels of the world, the CM Punk of the world. How can you not take them seriously as competition and not just AEW since AEW has working relationships with other companies, with all with this wide pool of talent already out there, I mean, just look at Impact. I think Impact Women's Champions like Deanna Perazzo, who was in NXT last year. Like uh, you could just look all around the wrestling scape of people who were in WWE in some way, shape, or form. You mentioned Zack Ryder, but he he's a champion, uh, you know. Now it's like it's so many people now just doing things, whether it is betting on themselves or wherever they are, that are, that is bringing value to organizations and companies all over the country and world right now so uh yeah i i don't see how it's not a positive if you get a, a guy like cm punk to put on top of all of that 
buzz that AEW already musters up every week, you know? Yeah, and, and I think the thing is as well, and I think people might get a bit concerned because they go, oh, TNA did this. But the thing with TNA and what they did was they, they neglected the homegrown talent, you know, the AJ Styles and the, the Bobby Roos and the stuff like this, started focusing on your Ric Flair's, your Kevin Ashes, your Scott Halls. And what's different now, ladies and gentlemen, is the fact that WWE releasing 34-year-olds in Bray Wyatt, who are star <laughs> power, and keeping right. the 55-year-olds. So, it, you know, it's like Alistair Black, Andrade, Bray Wyatt, for me, all could be future whatever they wanted to be, you know? Exactly. Those are That, that can be the, the makings of a generation. They also have done a great job of having people like Adam Hangman Page. You know, the I don't, you know, I don't, you can say whatever you want, about AEW, but their treatment of what they've done for guys like Orange Cassidy, Jungle Boy, and uh, uh, Darby, Darby Allen included, what they are character-wise and what they've been treated and how they've been presented, they are also presented as the future. Sammy Guevara can be lumped in there. MJF also. Look at those names I just listed that are all in their 20s, basically. And, you know, doing doing really, really good stuff. I, you know, so... Uh, they have that, and they can get, like you said, stars who are in the prime of their careers, like a Melikai, like a like a possible Bray Wyatt signing, like a possible Punk sign, or you know, Punk may not be in the prime, but we all know popularity-wise, mm. nobody can touch Punk. Brian is still one of the best in the ring. It's just, you know, and then then if you if Adam Cole don't agree to something, you can find a way to work out something with Adam Cole. Like it, it's just be, it, it, yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be a, one of those things. Their tagline was changing the world, and I think they could change the world, especially just strictly from a talent standpoint. Now, what do you do with all that talent once you get it? You know, it, it's one thing, and I think, you know, they're going to have to be careful. But at the same time, with so much talent, and like you said, guys like Andrade, guys like Wyatt, guys like Malachi that you could just use as your faces for your future, Along with the younger guys who they can be foiled for and all of that, it, it just it has a beautiful combination. Guys like Jericho will only probably need to do commentary in the years to come, the way they're setting up their roster if you look at it talent wise and you look at how much time everyone has in. Yeah, and I think like you said, if you're uh, if you're hedging your bets now and you you know, obviously People watch WWE and AEW, but if you're a WWE fan, you're looking over AEW, then I can see they might be a little bit jealous and going, fuck, I wouldn't mind us start doing that. Uh, obviously, we will speak about uh, WWE, and it's great just to catch up. Like I said, it's been a crazy news week, and sometimes it is yeah. good to do that. Uh, but it's not just, of course, on-screen talent that get released. Of course, a lot of off-screen talent, behind-the-scenes producers. And, of course, WWE Network, which we kind of catch up on every month, uh, hasn't had a lot of new content. Now, of course stuff on there but the only new program this month has been the new broken skull sessions with uh, stone cold and kevin nash and the nexus uh story that they had uh, the documentary has been delayed they cut the next icons episode as well so hopefully that gets sorted out uh do you watch much of the w network and uh, are you paying attention to the broken skull session uh, i definitely caught the kevin nash episode uh, i have to, I, I have a couple other episodes i need to catch up on what uh, so yeah, I definitely keep up Broken Skull. It's probably one of the only shows that I try to make time to go look at, for the most part. Uh, I used to be an avid network watcher, and then I thought, then they just kind of gave up on giving me original content for a while. So you just kind of had to wait to watch it. So I, you know, it's certain things. I I like WWE Untold. I don't get a chance, necessarily a chance to watch it as much though. So certain series that I like, 
but you know, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna lie, like I'm, uh, I spend a lot of time on Peacock outside of kitchen, you know, NXT UK or uh, looking at pay per view, so you know, or special. Oh, like, yeah, no, that, like I said, we used to be the, uh, like I said, W Net Review until WWE tried to shut us down as it was, but we still check the network, and it's a bit shame you haven't got, like you said, Untold and, and a couple of other icons. The series have been quite good, but they did have, like I said, Kevin Nash on the Broken Skull sessions, and of course, Kevin Nash is always kind of more um, jokey now uh, as than he has been, which I suppose is quite a good person. And of course, anybody that's followed Kevin Nash and and my only maybe problem with the Broken Skull sessions, and I felt this with McFoley, is that we've they've done a lot covering Kevin Nash, whether it will be um, when they did the Dudes with Attitude recently with Shawn Michaels, or of course all the NWO stuff. We kind of know his career now, don't we? From kind of Oz yes. and Vinny Vegas to kind of Diesel with Shawn Michaels becoming a champion, making his move across. Was there anything from this that you you kind of even learnt, or it was? That kind of made you surprised that Kevin Nash was saying it, kind of Stone Cold Steve Austin, anything, you know? Uh, I think it, it's all, like, again, I love Kevin Nash interviews. I'm one of those fans who back in the day, especially when I was in high school, uh, any little clip of shoot interviews I saw. Kevin Nash is literally like almost the original shoot interviewer almost for me because he was one of the first ones I ever seen where people were kind of telling the, the backstage secrets. So like you said, a lot of stuff, that he mentioned or talked about, I had kind of heard a version of the story before. So I, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that was one, you know, fault in the uh, special that it kind of relied a lot on things that if you, if, not only if you just watch the network over the years, you, you probably heard, like I said, if you go on the internet and you're even somewhat interested in the Kevin Nash interview, you're probably going to hear a lot of the stories uh, too. And, and he will be way more detailed and like you said, way less jokey, more, cuss words or involved on the internet it's hilarious but anyway besides that uh i love kevin nash i thought it was great i think uh for the most part though most of the stuff was pretty not 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 so much new to me i did love every time that they went into a storytelling situation of just how it was on the road road stories are some of my favorite things when you get wrestlers talking especially a lot of the ones from that 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 period in the '90s when it was just different, wrestling was just different back then. So I love listening to him talk about road stories, of riding with Austin, and them doing dangerous stuff on the back streets, like riding with the lights off. I don't understand why would you ever would try that, but you know it, <laughs> it, it made sense within the context of the story he told. So you know, anyway, uh, I love those stories. But other than that, it was a lot more rehashing. Yeah, anything wrestling wise, he brought up. He's pretty much talked about to a certain extent in the past already. Uh, well, the the only thing I, I found quite interesting, well, so, you know, I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but the one thing I was I leaned into a little bit was to talk about TNA, uh, talk about his run, because, of course, being there for nine years and having wrestling with grey hair and the idea of piss Vincent Mann off yeah. as well. And they talk about the kind of talent that was old, of course, AJ, Joe, Daniel Kazarian. And Austin asked why the promotion could be bigger. Nash said they would watch Spike TV in June TNA. They would not advertise. They would advertise UFC, but no TNA. Um, yeah. And then they showed a photo of Mayna McMaffrey. And Austin says it was a hell of a roster. Nash mentioned he was making a short drive to Universal, working a six-man, eating two burgers, drinking wine at Doubletree and getting paid 15 k for it. Uh, so I think that kind of sums up his TNA run uh, with that, and of course, our Hall of Famer as well. But again, not bad, and it's so cold. I mean, 
they must be paying him serious money for him to stop his podcast. Obviously, you know, that's been a little while now and just focus on it there. What guests, I mean, because obviously we could go down like, you know, DDP or people like that. Who would you want to see on Stone Cold that may, or Broken Skull Sessions that maybe hasn't been thought about, you know, or be quite interesting? Because um, sometimes it's nice to go a little bit left field, isn't it, you know? Yeah, uh, I think so far, for the most part, at least one of the things I've seen him do is he seems to be sitting down with people with uh, either longer tenures or, like, you know, people who wrestled during his era or, you know, sometimes before. So, uh, I, I you know, it will be nice if he could – I don't know if, how they – maybe the problem is they don't know how they would want to do the episode. But, like, he could do I, – I wouldn't – not that I would want to – the new day, but like someone like the new day or like a newer act, but they're not so new to where can't talk. I would like to see this, uh, 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 just Roman Reigns just talking about his journey so far, like a Roman Reigns or a Sheamus or, uh, you know, someone who has a tenure, but a more modernized tenure. So I can see what, what Austin likes, what he don't like about some of the more after his era time. It'd be nice to see him sit down and converse with more. You know, he talked to Randy, He's talked to other, you know, people that are still active. But, you know, Sasha, I think he did one with Sasha and Bailey. So those work. But, like, still, again, more recent, more modern uh, workers. You know, maybe, I don't know if he actually had a a long sit-down with AJ Styles. That'll be a good one. You know, so stuff like that. Yeah, I think we'll have to have something like Bobby Lashley. I think it would be great because... Lashley would be a uh, great choice. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, stuff like that as well. But excellent. Hopefully we have more stuff in the WWE Network to look at next month. So let's start NXT UK. Like we said, five episodes. We start July 8th. And Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness welcome fans to NXT UK. We kick off with singles action to Nathan Fraser and Kenny Williams. Williams misses the stomp. Fraser turns it round with a swinging net break from off the top with a missile drop kick. Fraser stacks Williams up again for a near full count, then hits a series of offense, including insecurity. Williams gets the last say in this match after slamming Fraser's shoulder into the ring post and hitting his bad luck finisher for the pin full victory. Now, before I get your thoughts on that, a little bit of backstory, of course, both men. Nathan Fraser is a former Ben Carter who was in AEW and decided to go to NXT UK. Uh, as for um, Kenny Williams, he was involved uh, with a tag team partner and he's kind of turned. Um, Amir Jordan, he left NXT UK and he's kind of gone on this new look called the scum of the earth and building momentum. And that's a huge victory over Fraser. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? I thought the match itself was uh, was pretty cool. Uh, Fraser was a hell of an athlete. You know, his speed at times was like uh, very eye catching. You know, so I really enjoyed what I saw from Nathan Fraser. He was very explosive. Uh, Kenny Williams just did an awesome job when he's working the leg and it was it was great selling and and I thought Kenny worked a very smart match and now that I know the scum of the earth character it makes a lot more sense a lot of the things he was doing uh you know when he used the turnbuckle spot and you know I I was impressed with both guys it was a good way to start that show and that was the first show I watched that day so it was a uh, it was a good it was a good nice it was a good way to nice way to start I thought it was solid stuff I thought I really was impressed by both guys. Yeah, I like this guy. Kenny Bill momentum. He's saying that like, he doesn't mind being the cockroach because the cockroach always survives. Of course, Fraser's slow build continues, but two really talented guys. Great way to start the show. We look back at Jordan Devlin, A-Kid's main event matchup from last week. We're told that A-Kid is still not cleared to compete yet. Rampage Brown and Joe Coffey need to have a talk with his Scala. 
Uh, Miko Satmore promises she'll retain her NXT UK Championship against Emil. And up next, Mark Andrews is in a high-stakes match. If he wins, he will cement the NXT UK Tag Team title shot for himself and flash Morgan Wempster uh, against Howley. And we see Lewis Howley controlling early, and Andrews connects with an insecurity, creating some space, and counters Howley with Canadian Destroyer. Hurricane Ronner still can't put him away. Sam Stoker comes off the apron, distracts referee from making a count. Subculture runs out and takes Stoker off the apron. Andrew scales the ropes and comes crashing down on Howley with a shooting star press to get a huge victory in the tag team titles. I thought this was another really good match. I think if Manager's on Dynamite, people would lose their shit. What do you think? <laughs> I, I understand completely. Uh, you know, Mark Andrews is really, really good. Always has been. Every time I've seen him, uh, especially in the, the few times I've seen him in singles competition, uh, man, I really always in, enjoyed his work, uh, you know. Uh, and of course, the the inaugural UK title tournament was kind of like my to him, but I do and I do remember the, the the run as a tag team champion. But I wasn't really familiar with Howley, even though I heard a lot of great things about Pretty Deadly. So I was just looking to see, you know, you know what could I, uh, you know, what can I learn about, you know, Howley in this. Match and I really was impressed with some of his work and a lot of the, the way he wrestled this match. It fit it fit their characters kind of perfect perfectly. Uh, and the announcers kept reminding us that it was nobody to tag Howley, so they did a great job of just kind of reminding us that this wasn't really his. He was out of his depth. Watch you know wrestling Mark Andrews in this position, uh, but it was solid and you know it advances that story for Subculture Chase for their possible second reign. So I thought it was good stuff. Yeah, without a doubt. And yes, boy, they're pretty deadly. Are a great tag team. Kind of like a reality show like Made in Chelsea we got over here. I don't know what would be the Kardashian equivalent over there, so to speak. Uh, just kind of pretty boys that are, are so annoying. But, you know, like I said, they are a great tag team. And following a big title match last week, Jack Stars runs across Dave Mastiff, who praises Stars fate. And Mastiff tells Stars to keep his head up because Jack Stars, the guy who's got the uh, Volta handprint on him in his very first matchup, the kind of job have come good in recent times. And Tyler Bate is willing to defend his Heritage Cup Championship against Mark Coffey. Uh, up next, we get Blair Davenport, of uh, course, former B Priestley, making her NXT UK debut against Laura Di Matteo. Matteo actually got some offensive with a clothesline. But Davenport cut a momentum short with a double X off the top. Then confidently hooks the leg for the pin. Mateo surprised her with a kick out. But Davenport rains more strikes down. Um, we see Mateo hitting a nice spike DDT. But Davenport pops free. Hits a springboard dot kick and ends the match with a brutal running knee strike. The former Jaijin prevails in her NXT UK debut. Now you will probably be more accustomed to be pre-season than maybe even I will at this point. What did you think of her debut? What do you think of her overall? And thank you for thank you for that introduction because B Priestley is known as one of the best guys in, in Joshi or Japanese women's wrestling, uh, just in the world. She's one of the best. Uh, she was just a big signing when I found out that she was going to NXT UK slash WWE or whatever. Uh, you know, I was re- always very very high on her. I, I'm not gonna act like I watch Stardom or watch Joshi or wrestling as much as I should because it's really really good and they deserve more of my attention. But it's only 24 hours in a day. So, you know, they kind of get left out a lot of the time. But I will say that she has always been one of the best. She was a champion in stardom for a, for a lengthy period. And, you know, one of the just uh, so aggressive. She she kind of adopts a very strong style, you know, kind of it's definitely very strong style, very Japanese style of wrestling. 
But at the same time, I love how she incorporates a lot of great athleticism and strikes in the way she does it. And, like, she's taking moves from uh, Kenny Omega, you know, the B-trigger. It's like a running knee that she's done, you know. And, uh, you know, but I, I really like this ma- uh, match because it was, a, it was a great showcase. You know, it kind of reminded me of what they did for Frankie Monet a few weeks, uh, months back now uh, in her debut. This is what this felt like for me. It was just a time to show everyone what she could do. Uh, Davenport versus Kaylee Ray or Michael Sotomayor is just something that I'm looking forward to. And she's just one of the best in the world. And you put the best with the best. And, you know, that's what us fans dream of. That's what they want. And she she, she does the finisher. Uh, she did the finisher to Kamagoye, which is Kota Ibushi's finisher, which is a nice little touch for anybody who keeps up with New Japan and know that that's who Will Ospreay took. World Championship for her, her real life partner Will Ospreay. So, you know, that's a nice touch for anybody like me who's been keeping up with her that she's going to be using that move. By the way, if I ever decide to wrestle, that would be my finishing move. A nice <laughs> knee right to the face. I love it. Anyway, there you go. That's my takeaway on B Priest. She's going to be great for NXT UK and if handled properly, she's going to make uh, magic with whoever she's in the ring with. Oh, wow. Like I said, 11-year veteran. Cool as fuck entrance as well, which you're always good to see. The double stomp looked vicious. Uh, I'd love to see more from Mateo because I wasn't too... I was quite impressed with her. Good introduction. Uh, I'm calling it now, though. Davenport versus Miko Satamore by the end of the year for the NXT UK Women's Championship. That has got to happen. Um, She says she's here to face everyone, anyone who wrestles like her. And then we see Ginny doesn't like Aoife Valkyrie hiding in the shadows and promises to expose Valkyrie. It's a little girl dress, playing dress-up. Then we see Tierman sitting down with Rohan Raja, who says that he was forever for all before they are family. Next week, they're facing Ashley Smith and Oliver Carter. A little bit of backstory for that for you. Tierman uh, came in vicious, and he fought Rohan Raja and actually snapped his arm in a matchup. And Raja, kind of, um, because of his toughness, Tierman earned... Uh, the respect from there. And Raja now say, right, obviously you beat me because you snapped my arm, um, but I want to be part of your family. And Tierman says the eye is always watching. He's taken out Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter in recent weeks, so this will be an interesting tag match uh, coming up as well. Uh, Tierman's kind of reminds me a little bit of Andrade in a little way, you know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Touch of the uh, the cross face, man. I really do. We'll get into that though. <laughs> we, de- we definitely will. Since Scarlett announced that in two weeks, Fulton will put his NXT UK Championship line. They rematch against Aya Dragunov, and now the main event: Trent Seven versus Eddie Dennis. Going to the closing moments, Dennis grabs hold of Seven, uh, who drops out at the back and connects and hits his Seven Stars lariat. But Dennis up for the burning hammer, who escapes by latching onto the ropes. Symbiosis come out to watch the match up close. Seven sends Dennis crashing to the mat with an avalanche emerald flosion. And then Seven hooks to the pin, but Symbiosis takes Dennis's foot and puts it up to the rope. Seven runs out the ring and takes Symbiosis' burning hammer for the pin for victory. Uh, Symbiosis slides in the ring and tries to beat down Trent Seven. Tyler Belt runs out with nunchucks. Yes, nunchucks. And keeps <laughs> Seven out of harm's way. Uh, what were your thoughts on this main event matchup? Uh, I really thought this match was really good. You know, it was a situation where I wasn't really too familiar with Eddie Dennis. Uh, but, of course, I know Trent Seven and Mustache Mountain. And I thought Seven did a really good job of making the Welsh Dragon, you know, look good at times. It really looked like he had a, a chance, you know, it was, it was a brawl at one point and it was just, it was probably the most physical match that I had seen from that particular show. Uh, you know, uh, I, a couple of times where they look either exhausted or groggy, knocked out, you know, so, 
uh, I thought it was over when the outside involvement, you know, took, you know, took place and it looked like seven was about to get screwed, but you know, he prevailed and overcame. And, uh, you know, I thought it was cool that Mustache Mountain stood tall at the end, especially bait with the nunchucks. It was funny kind of to see him, you know, working it and using it. I thought one of the ammunition were pretty, I think it was a primate pretty foolish running in there like he wasn't going to hit you with the nunchucks. I just didn't think, what, I want. I really was wondering what he expected. What did you expect? You thought he wasn't going to swing it? Like, really? Uh, but anyway, <laughs> nice, nice match. I thought it was a good way to end the show. Yeah, no, really, really hard hit main event. Trent showed his anger. And the thing I like about Eddie Dennis, he's got crazy arms. He's a psychopath. My only issue, or I think WWE's maybe only issue with him, was it's kind of built like a rake. You know, like if he had a bit more, you know, like. Fair, fair. Uh, but again, I like it all. I like it all. We move on to the next episode, July 15th, and we get an intro video and we're joined by none other than the coup and founder of NXT Triple H. He's happy to announce that on next week's show, Walter will put his NXT UK Championship on the line against Aya Dragunov. That leads to the press conference where Assistant General Manager Gullo is hosting it. First question is asked to Walter. He's asked from BT Sport about his dominant reign and how he sees the rematch playing out. In Walter's opinion, he believes Dragunov still isn't mentally prepared to go up against a champion like him. He never mentioned that Dragunov lacks physical ability. The second and third question are directed to Dragunov about his mental state. Now he's been facing demons since losing to the ring general back in October. Now, I don't know how up-to-date you are with the Aya Volta um, story, but it's probably my favourite... Well, it is my favourite story in wrestling. Uh, Adam Page's kind of arc is one of my favourites, but this is kind of my my top one because Volta yeah. was so violent in his match with Aya um, that Aya basically lost it. And anytime he had a match since then where he got slapped, he read miss with descend and all he sees is Volta's face. He sees it in his dreams. He sees it in his nightmares. He sees it every time he can't control this anger that's inside of him. Uh, but Volta's can't hold over him. That is the only way I can explain it is Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker type of shit. Like <laughs> Aya is so tough, but Volta, it's just a damage that is done for him. And the question is, is that Volta doesn't see Aya as a serious threat, but Dragunov um, is said he respects Volta's opponent, but he left for him is hate, you know, and he hates Volta and he wants to place his hands on him. Uh, and, you know, the, this feud between these two has been fantastic because it's very simple. Both men want to be the champion. You've got the dominant champion. You've got the guy Aya who is probably the best NXT UK apart from that. But can he get the job done? And that is what makes the match so special as well, you know? I agree 100%. And, you know, I, 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 I was kind of getting like, I had like a Cliff Notes version of that, basically, because like I, I, would, I, I remember watching the match, the Dragunov Walter match because I just recommended I needed to see it and of course it was that life changingly amount of violence that everyone has been bragging about it it's legit so if you still haven't went to go see it go watch it but uh, besides that uh, every time I would check in I would see they would update me maybe it would be a video package or whatever it is and I would see how red with anger and you know how tormented he was basically from that loss so I kind of uh, had like an outline of what what happened, but thank I, I needed those details, so I appreciate it because it made this press conference even better when you think about all that. You know, the press conference was I'm always impressed pretty much uh, with how they do this. I'm also always impressed with how well spoken Walter is 
when you when you when you see him fight, it just leaves you believe he's gonna be a brute. But then when you listen mm. to him talk, you know he's you know he's elegant, you know dignified. You're just like, oh man, I don't you know he's the worst kind of dude to get your ass whooped by because you know he's gonna he's doing it with honor and respect. Like he's not as sometimes I'll be mad at Walter because he's not as much of a douche, but he doesn't need to be because he's he fights like. He's trying to kill you when he fights, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. He doesn't really have to be overly douche personality-wise. But anyway, the story of this of him not having the mental ability to step up was really the 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 line that kind of got me and dragged me and kind of set everything off with the stare down and just got me completely interested and invested in this story. And you know, the press conference did his job and just had me ready for them to fight at that moment. Man, it was so intense, so uh, I really was into it. The thing is, as well, is that anybody that's not seen Volta, like, I, I keep mentioning Darth Vader, it's more Thanos. Because the, th- <laughs> the thing with Thanos, yeah. it, at, with Volta, is that Volta's not doing it for himself. He's not doing it so he's still NXT UK champion. The reason why he wrestles is to do it for the sport of professional <laughs> wrestling. He's doing it for the greater good, you know? And what's wrong with it? <laughs> no, you can completely understand. But unfortunately, right. like... and. And Aya is, you know, the um, he should have gone for the head, so to speak. Right. It would be interesting to see. Uh, but anyway, move on. Subculture is ready for the SUK Tag Team Championship opportunity next week. And following commercial break, we're set for Tag Team Action. Tierman, Rahan Raja versus Oliver Smith. We see Carter throwing Raja in the mat with a suplex, followed by a perfect German suplex. Carter looks for a pin, but Raja gets his shoulder up. Carter comes flying off the ropes with assisted high cutter. Timmy takes Raja out of the ring before the pin. Raja then hits another face buster on Carter, who makes one final take to Tierman. Tierman locks in a cross face on Carter, and Carter, of course, tap out. Tierman and Raja pick up the win. Uh, and, of course, uh, we explained this is a new Hill team. Now, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was expecting them to come in and establish themselves, you know, of course, with those family-related promos, kind of basically letting me know, okay, did they have something cooking up here? And uh, and like you said, now with the background that Oliver and uh, and Ashton Smith were uh, were attacked recently by Tim and it made this match even better. I have to say Ashton Smith impressed me the moment he was in there. He looked like a really, really uh, good athlete in this match. And he was just, I don't know, he was impre- very impressive at time. Uh, I thought the relentless, the relentless attack on Carter's arm worked perfectly well, especially with the crossface uh, finish and all of that. And, I, you know, I expected the new team to get the win, and it, and it was. And I, it was good stuff overall. And I can't wait to see what's next and how this story develops with this whole family angle. Oh, yeah, and this was a fun match once the hot tag happened. The faces have had issues, but this was about Tierman and the eye, like we said. He's always watching, and A-Kid demands another match with Jordan once he's fully recovered from his leg injury. A-Kid wants to have a 30-minute Ironman match with him, and Sid Scala says, let's see what he can do. And we see Eva Valkyrie warns Ginny that she picked a fight with a wrong woman. Pretty Deadly is ready to face subculture. Uh, they're looking forward to clashing next week, and up next, uh, we've got Emaya or Mel, as it was, versus Miko Satamore for the XU-UK Championship. Will she be the first French women's champion in WWE? No. Uh, but she caught the champion <laughs> with a pump kick. Satamore <laughs> flurry offense. Um, we see Mel follow up with explode of slam, but Satamore uh, manages to set up Mel for the Scorpio rising. The final boss retains her uh, title in a hard-earned win. And this was a great way of showing what Miko's reign 
will be competitive match and bringing the younger talent up whilst adding experience. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mika Satamora and the NXT UK women's division? Because I think it really goes under the radar, you know? I agree. I, I honestly came away with overall to speak about the division before I before not not to talk about every anything. We'll talk about this match in detail. But, you know, overall, after watching just the five shows in a row that I watched, I came away very impressed with what they have to offer in the women's division in NXT UK. And uh, like you said, it definitely goes under the radar, but they have sneakers. Sneakily, or if you want to say it, they under sneakily, or just out of the out of the notice of everyone or most of the scene, they have a really deep and diverse roster of ladies who can really work in the ring and, and do much. And that's with and that's with out seeing Kaylee Ray in basically involved in a lot of this stuff. So you know, the women she had one of the longest reigns in women's in, in NXT UK. I think the longest women's reign, right? So, when you think about it like that and how deep they are and have been and just, they've, they've went on the radar for a long time, but yeah, I think with what they have all together, with adding a Bia or adding a Blair Davenport to, to this uh, roster, and you have Meek Mako at the top right now, and you have uh, Valkyrie, it's just, oh man, it's just talent that I, I'm, I, like I said, it's just it's full to the brim with talent and possible uh, you know, future stars in this division. So, yeah, I think they go under the radar. But this match itself, I think the final boss uh, name is just a perfect name for Mako. Her, the, and this match exemplifies that because the match went and it was put together as, you know, she, she got, she struck well early and attacked Amel, but Amel literally was chipping away as much as she could at Mako and, you know, and then you, you hit your ultimate attack and then it still is not enough. And then at the end of the game, if you ever played a video game and got to the final boss, you do everything you can and the final boss is still standing because it has that long-ass health bar, if you're <laughs> like me. But anyway, besides that, <laughs> Amel showed a mean streak and looked like she had one, but, you know, Sotomore was just too good. And, you know, both ladies look great in my opinion. And I, I really think, if like you said, if this is what her reign is going to be, building talent up just to see if they – can finally overcome that boss. It'll be it'll be amazing to see what happens when someone finally do overcome it, and it's amazing to see the journey, how we get there, and and how impressive her matches continue to be in this ring. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, we get some breaking news and following their press conference early tonight. I uh, Dragonoff Volta got into it backstage, causing Volta to suffer an injury on his left hand. Therefore, the match will not happen next week. Uh, again, I was a little bit surprised when he announced this match first and foremost, and I wasn't that upset with the bait and switch because I'd rather have it in a bigger setting. And uh, thoughts at the time, maybe UK takeover or something like that. Of course, we'd get the uh, questions answered later on. And we event in the show, which is the Her- Heritage Cup Championship, Tyler Bate versus Mark Coffey. Um, both men are even after the first round going into round two. Mark Coffey continues to hold on Tyler Bate for the previous round. Bate finds a creative way to escape, which sends Coffey out of the ring. Back in, Bate catches Coffey with a run that turns into a stacked pin. Of course, Bate picks up the full pawn against Coffey. Uh, we should say the Heritage Cup rules, anybody who never watched it, basically six rounds at three minutes. Uh, either the first one for who's got the most falls or either a 2-1 victory. Um, and before I get into what happened in round three, round four, what are your thoughts on the Heritage Cup? Because at least it is something different to what we've seen anywhere else, isn't it? 
and I think that's what I love the most. You know, I'm one of those guys who uh, I am. My fate, one of my favorite things in WWE was the King of the Ring. Uh, I love the G1 Climax. I love the New Japan Cup. And that these are all tournaments. And mostly it's because even though it's all mostly regular matches for the most part, like you said, it's something different. It's a it's a different way of organizing your uh, your matches and all your workers and all of that type of stuff. And the Heritage Cup is similar to that in, 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 in the same way, even though it's not a tournament every time they do it. The rules and the way it's set up, that kind of mixture of the drama of a I of, of it's like it mixes like the drama of the end of an Iron Man match with you know just typical like round wrestling drama. So like it, it's 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 amazing. I really love the Harris's Cup, and like you said, maybe it's because it's just so much different than what anyone else is doing, uh, or maybe it's because the talent they've been using. The Noam, the time I get the chance to see Noam Dar. In it, the A kid, uh, A kids run with the cup, and now with a, a guy like Bait in this position, like it, that's also another great thing. You put a great worker in this position, and they make magic when it comes to these stipulations. So I've I've really enjoyed every Harrison's Cup match I've had the pleasure of watching so far. Yeah, no, I've really, really yeah, kind of got into it as well. Kind of, like I said, the old school British feel to it. And back to the match we see in round three with Bait with a 1-0 lead. Mark Coffee hoists Bait up. And over the seconds after the bell rings, he lands a Russian leg sweep and goes for the first cover of the round. Bait refuses to give Coffee the point. The Coffee then rocks Bait with a heavy forearm, which knocks him out and gets the first point of the match. Jim Sotola, Bait, Mark Coffee 1-1. Of course, Mark showed his power. Looks to be the first member of Gallus. To actually hold singles gold. Uh, into round four, leave man pick up a point. And then round five, Mark Coffey tees the onslaught with Tyler Bate with another heavy slam. Bate turns it round with a rolling wheel kick, followed by a rebound lariat, and finishes Coffey off with a 97 a driver for the pin for victory. Bate wins 2 1. Both Tyler Bate and Mark Coffey shake hands after their hard fought battle. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Because I thought this was a really well. Right. Uh... What I want, uh, by the way, what I want to say about the Heritage Cup also, I want to clarify what I mean. It mixes the drama of the end of an Ironman match with, like, watching football or watching, you know, a sport. That's what it mixes because it kind of has that same drama with the scoreboard and all that time running out. I kind of like that. But anyway, besides that, I had to finish, I had to fix my point. That kind of bothered me that I messed it up. Anyway, besides that, uh, I was excited for this match coming in. Of course, once I found out it was Heritage uh, Cup rules, I loved that. The story with the aggressiveness ramping up after Bates first fall. You know, uh, I love their facial expressions in this match because it was friendly, but at the same time, as the you can tell as the rounds went by and it was tighter and, you know, it kind of, you know, tempers were flaring a little bit on both sides, you know. Uh, you know, uh, and I really like what Coffee did with his facial expressions, especially uh, because he showcased his frustration as the match grew. Uh, it was just great. It was competitive, and uh, you know, uh, he's just one. Bate is just one of the best in the world. Doesn't matter who he's in the ring with, and uh, I think that I think the Heritage Cup is perfect for a guy like Tyler Bate. Honestly, you know, uh, when he's involved, he has never disappointed me. So it's, it's really nice to see him in position with that trophy, and you know, uh, I'm I'm ready for more Heritage Cup, man. <laughs> well, without a doubt, and the figures with Tyler Bate, obviously being the youngest NXT UK champion. Uh, 
and you know being one of the youngest champion history wondering where he's going to go from here like I said the heritage cup is perfect because someone's more established than a brand can get great matches uh, people that we might not know especially mark coffee who's been in the kind of background of gallus and more of a tag team and now taking a lip forward but again another good episode of nxt as we move on to the next one 22nd of july of course ali shep and nigel beginners welcome us to the show again and we've got a major announcement from general manager sid scala and he said after some consideration winning regal triple h sean michael a solution with general manager of NXT UK, Johnny Saint. And Volta would be cleared in time to finish NXT UK Championship with a rematch against Ayr Dragunov at NXT TakeOver 36 on August 22nd. I'm in. Have all my money. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, honestly, that was one of those things I was hoping for once the match was cancelled. I was just hoping that, that that was, you know, it, it would get moved to, to a TakeOver card. You know, with a crowd, you know, hopefully with someone there that can that can be there to appreciate it, you know, the, in the way that it will, uh, it deserves, uh, you know, no shot, no no shot to the BT Sports, so. <laughs> not <laughs> not the liveliest uh, <laughs> uh, of crowds there, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, I was happy for that, you know, that that it was in that it was moved to that position and. It, you know, it's going to be on another stack car, another great takeover that we all, that me and you love to, you know, enjoy. So I, I knew it fit right into the card. Uh, but, you know, I was still bummed out just because of the timing. Because, like I said, <laughs> I finally had time to watch it at UK. <laughs> and then the match don't happen. <laughs> so that part sucks still. But this is a great console. Well, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, uh, and I'll tell you something else. It might be interesting for, for people listening right now, maybe. But, uh, of course, the NXT UK Championship uh, first started with a tournament on the 15th of July 2017, held, of course, in Blackpool with uh, Tyler Bate winning. But since then, the title has only changed hands in America. Uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago May 20th, 2017, Pete Dunne beat Tyler Bate. And then NXT TakeOver New York April 5th, 2019, Volta beat Dunne. And now August 22nd at TakeOver 36, is it written? for Ayer Dragunov and isn't it weird that the UK's Premier Championship only changes hands at TakeOver <laughs> I was just about to say they might want to change the name of the belt <laughs> too bad we, I mean I guess we already have a regular NXT you know but yeah I mean you call it the UK Championship they can't even get switched in the UK that, that's amazing <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> Funny, that's a funny trend too. Like, who knows? Like, will will Ilya continue that trend? I, I, now, I, look at this. You add hype to a match. That... <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what it's all about. Well, up next, symbiosis. Uh, call out Mustache Mountain. They want to rematch with them, and then Nina Samuels versus Laura Di Matteo. Nina controlling majority. Mateo throws a series of elbows in the back of Samuels next. Samuels traps Mateo in the corner and finds a foot in again with a tilt world backbreaker. Then catches her with midair kick to the face for the pinfall victory. I don't mind Nina, but I thought this was very basic. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, yeah, like you said, basic. Nothing bad here, but you know, not nothing too crazy. I do want to say again, though, like you mentioned, uh, you wanted more Laura, and she impressed, in my opinion, two weeks in a row. Just in the short time she was there, she had a good heart and continued to fight. And I was—I've been impressed with Diamato for the two times that I've you know, seen her now. I was really impressed with everything that she was doing, and you know, 
it was a, it was a decent job by both ladies. Like you said, nothing too special, but yeah, I gotta give Diamante her props. She she's pretty good for someone who's really new. Yeah, to, but to, she to you. she does look a bit like Amy from Big Bang though. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me or what it was, but I was going, yeah, I've, I've seen that face somewhere. Yeah, now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tia Moon and Rohan Raja want to make it clear that the partnership focuses on two core values, respect and family, much like us, I suppose. Uh, Blair Davenport interrupts <laughs> Sarah Brookside's interview. Davenport says the only reason people know her is because of her father, Robbie Brookside. Davenport believes her credibility in the ring is thought more popularity than her name than with Zaya, which, you know, you could argue with. And then yeah. Supernova Sessions with Noam Dar. And in this episode, his guests are Ginny and Joseph Connors. Ginny and Joseph talk about the higher life, lifestyle and refuse to mingle with the belief them. Ginny turns her attention to call out Aoife Valkyrie. She promised that she'd be the one to destroy her when they get in the ring. Ginny and Connors leaves and Connors will be in action after the break. As much as I like Dar and Shah, I dislike Ginny and Joseph. And it's just because Ginny's not too bad, but Joseph is doing his best William Regal impersonation. Um, <laughs> it's just, it gets me every time. We see Rampage get ready for his highly anticipated clash with Joe Coffey and then we get Joseph Connors versus Tristan Archer um, Archer goes for a, a assisted DDT uh, but he isn't done there, he sends Connors down with a major set up powerbomb but Connors managed to get up and send Archer away with a DDT followed by a straight jacket power slam for the win, this was just too much Connors it's Tristan Cousins with Priest as well I don't know, you know Archer <laughs> Priest, <laughs> um, what were your thoughts on this? Um the, like I said, the match was what it was. Uh, you know, Connors uh, did a decent job, in, in my opinion. I thought Archer had a hell of a showing, though. And, uh, you know, he had Connors on the ropes. And I, since I was familiar with Joseph Connors, I was really looking to see what Tristan Archer, you know, what, what was he bringing to the table. And he impressed me. And it was solid overall, even though I think this match was more so about what happened after, the stare down and all of that. You know, I think they were trying to just get to that moment. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I was more impressed with Archer than I was with Connors, even though the match was about Connors. I don't know if they did that on purpose or not, but there you go. <laughs> there, there, there are so many better wrestlers than Connors. And when he's little, well, I'm behind the back and all the little, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't want him, you know, like, but then again, uh, you I know. Did. Um, after after Aziza Valkyrie comes lurking out and hands Ginny a feather, indicating that she's ready to throw down. So, of course, we saw that uh, with Mika Satmore and anybody that gets in Aoife's way, which I thought was quite cool. And then Jordan Devlin leaves Siskala's office. He's informed that A-Kid uh, wants a 30-minute Ironman match. Devlin calls him an idiot and promises to get the job done once A-Kid is cleared. Um, not many people choose ginger highlights, is what I thought when I saw Jordan Devlin. It's it's a it's a brave choice, isn't it? <laughs> Again, the small details for you, man. Uh, I agree that is bold, but honestly, you know, and I I say this all the time. If I ever meet him, he's not the biggest guy, so I feel like I can say this to his face. He's not much of a look. To, to be fair, and again, I don't even block him. I don't even block me on Twitter. But I was lucky enough to see him uh, before the lockdown started, I think the end of 2020. Um, he was wrestling the same show as Joey Ryan, which I won't go into detail about that. Uh, he was, Devlin was charging £25 for a picture. 
um, during the interval, which I, I didn't give. But he had this kind of what's a nice word of putting about him? It's arrogance around him, which, again, probably not too bad if you're a hill, you know? Right, right. It's natural. I think that's what it is. I think part of this, you know, I've never really seen him do anything that was that likable, honestly. Right. So he's, but he's a great wrestler. I will say that in the ring, he's he's a good wrestler. But yeah, uh, no, uh, <laughs> I think that's what makes playing this character a little bit easier for him. That it may not be so much of a <laughs> no. Plus, he has got a massive head. Both, yeah, both, the, literally. Yeah, that's the only reason. That's what I'm talking about when I say he's not that much of a look. <laughs> He is, he's a human bobblehead. He is literally the bobblehead made in a human form. If I had a hair like him, I'd probably be a douche too. I'd be struggling getting through doors, let alone anything else. But um, (laughs) backstage, backstage, Dave Massive and Jack Stars have a chat. Stars wants Massive to know that he looks at him as an inspirational influence on his career. And Mustache Mountain head symbiosis messages from earlier. They're ready to end the rivalry once and for all next week. And the main event, Pretty Deadly versus Subculture for the NXT UK Championship. Let's don't forget uh, Lewis Howley and Sam Stoker, the NXT Tag Team Champions. And of course, they use their size to edge the advantage on several occasions with both talents on wobbly legs, though late in the title fight. Andrews attempted to shoot a star press on Stoker, but Howdy pulled his partner out of the ways at the last second. When Webster launched himself over the ropes, he was caught by the champions who smashed him chest first on the barricade. Moments later, pretty dead and leveled Andrews with a double team maneuver behind the officials back to retain their titles. What were your thoughts on this? I enjoyed this match. I this is I wrote down this is what I call tag team wrestling. It was a hell of a match. Uh, I just love the teamwork of both teams. I feel like if you're gonna be in a tag team match, especially the regular, you know, style tag team match, not a tornado or you know stipulation one. Uh, if you're gonna be in a tag team match, I want to see teamwork. Even if you're just two random wrestlers thrown together, I would like you to work together. What's the point of having a partner if you don't try moves together? And I thought this match was a uh, pretty innovative, uh, and they did a great job i love the tag spots that was in this match subculture had his moments but you know the tag champs were one step ahead they outsmarted them kind of in my opinion and looked like the better team in the end of the day and that's it's, it's really simple that's why they won the match and that's why they are still the tag team champions and i like that sometimes simple works just fine and you know like i said maybe it could have been better it could have done a couple more things but this match did its job in my opinion yeah, this was a fantastic main event. Pretty deadly, may look like douchebags, but really enjoy their tag team combinations. And like right. I said, we're probably working together, always gets the job done. Yes, boy. Um, moving on to July 29th, our penultimate episode. Of course, Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness again. And we kick things off for the Irish ace, Jordan Devlin in action versus Tristan Archer, Devlin control at the start, but Archer is back in this match after hitting the clothesline. Devlin puts his knees up in time as Archer crashes down with back sent on, then finds himself back in the driver's seat with an assisted co-breaker of Devlin that can't keep him down. Devlin reverses the GTS into a nasty headbutt. Devlin and then put a Devlin slide uh, side for the pin full victory. Uh, I thought this was a basic match. Did you think it was too much Jordan Devlin after what? Because you obviously watched the five episodes like I did. Did you think too much Devlin? Because we know we're getting an match with Aiken as well, you know? It, I, exactly. I think it, it was, you know, uh, way too much in this match. Especially, like I said, I just watched, and not that I'm comparing Connors and Devlin at all, when you just watch Archer do have a decent showing, or at least a better showing than he did in this match, 
it, it does it is kind of just it was confusing kind of to see him kind of just properly get handled by Devlin who by the way Archer is much bigger than he was when he was in the cruiserweight division so it also looks a little bit funnier in that retrospect too but I thought the match itself was still good. Devlin's aggressiveness worked, especially with what his current character or current and in his current story, what he's been doing. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, uh, it was a good, it was solid. It was still solid. It wasn't bad. And, you know, uh, like you said, with the, but overall with everything that was going on, especially the stuff with a kid afterwards, you know, it probably was a little bit too much. Different. Yeah. Well, like I said, Devlin then informed by general manager, uh, Johnny St. Lakid wants the 30 minute Ironman match and he says uh, Aikid's career will be on the line. Guarantees that the champion will never, the former champ will never be the same again. And just as Aikid hobbles out, Devin tosses Aikid crutches. Aikid stares into Devin's eyes and pops his foot down. Aikid is medically cleared. He takes Devin and throws him outside <laughs> and he tells Devin he looks forward to see the Irish race fell in a 30 minute Ironman match that's scheduled for next week. Devlin's showing good character work. I think the only stop, thing stopping Aikid is personality, you know? Yeah, that might be the only thing he's missing. He has everything else, the look, the work. Uh, he has it, you know, but as far as, as a matter of fact, I think it's kind of funny, uh, you know, that that's kind of like, that, he, that he's funny that he's working with a guy like Devlin, who, in my opinion, who kind of has the character or at least the attitude that seems like it that it will work. And I think that's what A-Kid is missing is that, that attitude, that direction, you know what I mean? And once he gets that, you know, you strap a racket on someone who works and looks like a Without a doubt. Well, before Clash Night and Ronnie Falcon and Jin exchange words, we see a hype package ahead of Walter versus our Dragon off at NXT six. And then push comes to shove when all the women argue who should be the next contender to Miko Satamora's NXT UK Women's Championship. I thought this is really cool because you kind of just walked in the locker room and said, I'm the champion. You expect them to go, oh, they're all going to beat her up. And then they just start arguing themselves. And he goes, yeah, Mika's actually quite smart, you know. <laughs> right, she looked badass in that segment. <laughs> I got immediately just like that is badass. You just walk in there be, to your contenders, like, all right, come at me, and then you know, <laughs> it just starts <laughs> chaos basically. You can just sit there with your evil laugh. Like she looked like a final boss again. Again, it fits yeah. the character yeah. perfectly. Like she. She does one thing and the whole division goes into chaos. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on, more women's division action. as Eva Valkyrie versus Ginny. Ginny looked for the first cover of the match, but Valkyrie kicks out. Jonathan Connor inserts himself to help distract her. Uh, Connors climbs up the apron again with another distraction. Valkyrie <sighs> takes care of him. Valkyrie turns around and eats a big boot from Ginny. The wing of Valkyrie and picks up the pin for a victory. Um, I've got to say, Ginny's dirty, and I kind of like that. But I really don't like Joseph Connors. I'm more <laughs> of a fan of Valkyrie. I thought she would have picked up a victory herself. But this was quite a good match. I, I agree 100%. I, you know how I feel about interference or, you know, and just especially when it's cheap. And this one was cheap, especially since Connors continued to, to distract and just take away from the match. But the match itself, the two ladies, what they were doing, in the ring and the, the emotion that I can come, I can feel coming from Eva Valkyrie uh, and how, how she fought off Connors as long as she could, basically. But, you know, uh, uh, I, and, and, you know, for the story, I thought it was an acceptable finish. You know what I mean? For what they were trying to do, since I basically feel like that this was not going, this was not the end of the road, especially since Valkyrie lost. Uh, 
I thought, okay, well, okay, it's fine because the story isn't over. But, uh, you know, I, I do always have a bitter taste in my mouth when uh, when it's cheap like that, especially when the two women are working hard and then the finish is that. It, it does suck, but, again, the match itself was still good. I, I, I thought they worked a really good match. Yeah, I think without a shadow of a doubt. And then after we rampage round of Joe Coffee reflect on a heated rivalry, the two will continue their trilogy clashing soon. Uh, a reporter catches up vacant before he leaves the building. And of course, he's looking to make history. And then we get Stevie Turner versus Leia James. James uses some explosive offense, including another drop kick and assists his crossbody to wear Turner down. Is it enough for her to grasp the pinfall victory low as Turner plants James on the map with a heavy elbow drop and then a rope assisted flatliner to main her undefeated streak? And I don't know about you, but I was more impressed with James than Turner at this uh, <laughs> at that point. Is that wrong of me? Like, yeah. I, I don't blame you. I understand that, even though, you know, honestly, uh, I didn't. Uh, James didn't get a chance to really do a lot. You know, she she got some stuff in, but like like you said, what she survived and just how she looked. At the end of the day, I I think like you said, it was meant to make Turner look best and look better and impress. And I and like I said, she she was intense and she looked vicious. So if you want to say that was part of the, her character we didn't see before, you know what I mean? Sure, I thought that was fine. She put what she can do on display pretty fine, but uh, you know, it was short and sweet. But yeah, I can understand. I can see how you look at this match and come away more impressed, more impressed with James. But the thing is about Stevie Turner is like it's she's got a futuristic gimmick, right, or whatever right. it is. I, I I've not seen her come down on a hoverboard. I've not seen her <laughs> uh, in the DeLorean. I don't know what's futuristic about her. You know, like if if it was like a Ray Phoenix or a Ricochet, you know, doing moves like that, I could be oh, this is what this do but it's like what she's just got the kind of jazzy costume like need more character work you know <laughs> exactly and and maybe with time you know they'll put more investment into that i was just about to say maybe it's that that delayed uh flatliner finisher mm. that's futuristic i guess i don't, I don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know, I don't know. Like, um we see jack stars a day massive practicing they'll be joined forces in a tag team action soon but maybe just a hint of a Dave Hill. I mean, I love to see Dave just eating Jack Stars. Uh, next week, uh, Blair's Davenport reaction, Jordan Devlin naked, of course, in the Ironman match. But now the main event, Mustache Mountain versus Symbiosis. And as guests, Trent is worked on until the Heritage Cup champion comes in hot. We're diving you up in uppercut and a powerlift and exposed suplex. Uh, Bate hoists Primate up and takes from the road with his airplane spin. But T-Bone slivers out. Bate uses Primate as a weapon against T-Bone and shifts his focus back on Primate. He hits a 97 driver but Dennis managed to grab bait and then on the apron toss him on top of the guardrail with a proof fix bomb a few seconds later boat runs in and hits a rebound lariat on symbiosis bait makes a tag to seven seven hits his seven stars lariat and then uh, brings bait back in he hoists primate up in his shoulders bait flies off the top with a diver knee strike seven then connects with a burning hammer for the pin Full victory. I thought this was a good main event, but do you think this is the best manager interference ever? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, he was a part. He might as well have been in the match. He was there. <laughs> it, was, it was three on two, basically. <laughs> Especially the guardrail razor's yeah. edge. I guess <laughs> that's my. I was like. That might be the coolest manager. It looked like a shoe or a phone back in the old days. Now it's like a razor's edge on the barricade. I'm like, that's cool. Can you imagine Jimmy Hart or Bobby Brain and <laughs> <laughs> pulling that one off? Yeah, it's just 
Right. Uh, but the match it was like you said, hell of a match. It was pretty cool. Uh, I, I wanted to say this. My first impressions of symbiosis. Primate is a hell of a name to have, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just primate. That's it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I knew what I knew what to expect from the Mountain Strong Boys. So you know, I was interested in seeing what symbiosis could do, and you know, it was really good. They isolated Trent Seven. You know, psych. You know, very smart style, and you know, and they were aggressive and. You know, Dennis interference, like you said, at moments, I thought Mustache Mountain was in trouble, man, because of not only the constant interference, it felt like maybe it'd be a screw job, but, you know, they did some, Symbiosis had some pretty good moves they put together that looked really, really, you know, clean. So I, I didn't know for a second there, but, you know, Mustache Mountain getting the victory, it was hard earned, and it was good fun. This match was good fun, you know what I mean? And when Bate got in that ring, that hot tag sequence is still as good as any other. Like we talk about uh, MSK's hot tag sequence, but Tyler Bates has always been great when he's in, when he just gets on a roll. It's just it's, I don't know if I have fun more fun. Who I have more fun watching uh, Bate or you know uh, I can't even think of his name from MSK Wesley I guess yeah Wesley, Wesley yeah. So I don't know whose hot tag sequence I like more uh, out of those two, but. Uh, yeah, must and then teasing mustache mountains and pretty deadly. Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> well, I was about to say, uh, we see pretty deadly come out and group to that matchup. I mean, yes, boy, I'm taking that <laughs> over there. Uh, and like I said, bait balancing the Heritage Cup and also in the tag team at the same time as well. So maybe he's biting off more than he can chew in that story. And maybe Trent Seven might not be happy. I mean, this added layer, maybe. Uh, this might not have been the best episode, but Devlin Naked should be epic on our last episode as well. So let's get to August 5th. And we open with Shawn Michaels promo, hyping up the vigors of an Ironman match with clips of matches of years gone by. And once again, we're at the BT Sports Studios, Andy Shepard and Nigel McGinnis. Welcome us. A uh, lot of shouty commentary sprinkled through. Uh, Brookside versus Blair Davenport is our first matchup. Uh, but first off, what did you think of Shawn Michaels? Obviously, he's part of NXT UK now. Uh, he's the one kind of producing it and looking after the place. Is there a better person to talk about Iron Man matches than that man himself? I was just about to say, uh, who other than maybe, like you said, other than his counterpart in the very first one, Brett, I don't really know who else. And that you, um, him, Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle are probably the two people that the most I can think of because Kurt had one of the greatest Iron Man matches with Brock Lesnar I've ever seen in my life. And then, like you said, Shawn Michaels just being the pioneer and also working one, I think, with Cena years later that I enjoyed, uh, if I remember it right, when I was younger. But anyway, besides that, uh, so, yeah, I, I think it was perfect, a uh, perfect person to bring it in, a perfect person to to ask about when it comes to doing things first. Like, not even the fact that he was in the first Iron Man match, but literally doing a, a first under the WWE umbrella, who knows more than about break than making history than Shawn Michaels? He was in pretty much the first everything that you can think of. <laughs> He's yeah. had, you know, <laughs> a chance. So, yeah, uh, he was perfect for that position. Without a shadow of a doubt, he likes to talk about Hell in a Cell and Elimination Chambers and all those type of matches as well. Uh, but moving on, like I said, so is Blair Davenport. We see a tilt where Hell says a take down Davenport as did four hours, but Brookside got caught with a head kick, a double springboard drop kick Zia down before a V-trigger-ish knee, and the Kamagoi, like you said, proved to be a shower of offence that Brookside couldn't sustain. Um, this was uh, a fun extended squash, I suppose, you know. And yeah. does, um, Blair will be champion soon. I mean, what we've seen these past five weeks, that's setting up a match, isn't it? 
Oh, definitely. I think they're, her, her and Mako are on a crash course. And I think, like you said, maybe within the year or whatever, uh, have, when, uh, whenever they decide to do it, they will meet. And I think, like you said, it'll be a perfect time to let Blair reign and do her thing. Uh, 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 and I think her and Mako will definitely make magic together. Uh, this is that I wrote down exactly a competitive squash. She continues to uh, Blair continues to establish herself, uh, and she just put more of her unique offense on display. And you know, only thing like you said, I wish because I'm actually interested in a, a guy, a, a female like Zara Brookside, who, who you know, like you said, has the name value with the family, uh, you know, the family uh, prestige that, that that being a Brookside can give you in this business. And I think she has a lot of what the main, not just the main roster, but just like what we, what you can look for in a, in, in a uh, female superstar. So it kind of sucked that it was kind of just a squash, but I understand because of the timing that it was a perfect way to uh, elevate Blair immediately is to come in and get her with some, get her a victory over a uh, NXT UK veteran like Brookside. So it makes sense. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, they play the replay of the finish last week's main event into. And then it goes into Trent and Tyler celebrating backstage. Pretty deadly bump into them in the match for some point in the future. And, of course, like we talk about, that looks like the tag team title's going to be in the line. And then there's an announcement of the Heritage Cup, also held by Tyler Bate. We get the <laughs> tournament starting next week, which we'll cover, of course, on the next NXT UK show. The tournament matches will be held under British round rules. The third and fourth round bouts have been announced. On the left-hand side, we've got Mandrews versus Naam Dar. And Kenny Williams versus Oliver Carter. And on the right Sam side, Wolfgang versus Sam Gradwell. And Nathan Fraser versus Tierman. And the winner of the tournament will also be able to challenge bait at a later date. Um, some great talent there. Who would you say is your favourite to win the tournament to face Tyler Bate? Uh, I, honestly, I would like... I would say my favourite, based on who I like the most, would be Noam Dar because I just love... Uh, not only just what he's been, what he does in these style of matches, but just his character. Everything about Noam Dar is always one of my favorite things. So if I could watch them, uh, watch Bade and Dar go at it again, it would be great. But I have to say, part of me is feeling like this is uh, also an opportunity to give Tim in a spot, uh, and he could be a great, brutal person to own the Heritage Cup. You know, with this character and maybe with help from Raja. You know, who knows. What could happen? So Tillman and uh, Noam Dar are the first two names that kind of caught my attention for that position. But you know who knows? Well, I think I'm going to go Sam Gradwell. I mean, Kenny Williams might be favourite because of Scum of the Earth, you know, kind of new character. But Sam Gradwell, anybody that can call anybody a yogurt, you yogurt. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I love Sam Gradwell. He he looks like a star. He talks like a star. Uh, and also, the th- best thing as well, between you and me, of course, because no one else is listening here, but the NXT UK wrestlers maybe don't get as many tweets as kind of main roster guys. So when you call someone a yogurt and he likes it or retweets it, then you kind of get more interaction from it as well. That's not, of course, the reason why. But anybody that's not gone Sam Gradwell is called a yogurt. Um, but it's, it's, it's yogurt. But it's all good stuff. Uh, we get a bit as well with um, a spooky mystery, this one, uh, for Isla Dawn. She kneels in front of a camouflaged box, opening to find it's empty. And she puts in a watch that's ticking really loudly. I'm sure there's a better way to silence that thing. And then backstage, subculture asks what's next after they lost a few weeks ago. Flash Morgan Wimster bumps into Wolfgang and slaps him. After that, that's how Wolfgang got his big match. 
I quite like that because it's quite a funny Wolfgang going, you come here. Other than that. <laughs> uh, and then Danny Jones and Josh Morale versus Jack Stars and Dave Mastiff. And of course, we've seen it's been a hot minute since we've seen these guys on here. Stars and Mastiff get singles entrance so they need to work on their tag team chemistry. Mastiff throws in a clothesline and a Cow's Fury German suplex with Stars blind taking in. He hits a hesitation drop kick as Morale with the trio woe for Mastiff return for a cannibal that gets the win. Um, a big Dave and Stars, much like Dane and Maverick, so expect to them to release uh, Dave, I guess. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Oh, my God. You know what I did? I'm not going to lie. When I looked at Master, uh, because I, I watched the most recent episode uh, earlier this morning, so this is post the Bronson Reed news, so I immediately looked at Master, and I was like, all right, better watch out, big fella. <laughs> Twin Killian Dane and the Bronson Reeds of the world. You know, I, I don't know what's going on with Keith Lee. You better watch out, my guy. But anyway. They do not like him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good showing uh, but for Master and Stars in their debut. It was fun, you know. Uh, and, you know, I'm just excited to see what the new team uh, can do, what's their future, what they can do together, how long will this last, you know, will, will this turn into something possible would they get a name uh you know associated with them like what 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 is going on and what is uh the future for this pairing is uh basically the the, the thing that got me uh interested in this situation so uh yeah to, i didn't know much about them together even though i did remember like you said stars and the handprint that is forever printed on him no matter what he does uh but uh yeah when they together on that night they look really good yeah, I think I think without doubt, you know. But again, like I said, Mastiff, um, you know, starts turning heel because I think Mastiff at the moment is just kind of breaking ground, if you know what I mean. And sometimes it'd be nice to see him. I was impressed by the kind of younger guys as well. Um, early saying a male gets made up. Nina Samuels is pissed that she's hogging the camera crew. Uh, leaves a pull apart as referees were on hand. Next week, now Dar versus Manjus in the Heritage Cup Contenders Tournament. They play footage of the first match 2019 where they both got injured. I remember watching that match and thinking how <laughs> freaky it was, especially with two guys. I mean, when has that ever happened in another match? I can't. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Off the top of my head. Um, yeah. Uh, we, but Rock, I, the last time, only time I can think of, I think Rock and Nick Foley almost knocked each other out, but I don't know if that was even legit injuries or not. I know they both. Neither one of them could make it to their feet in the last man standing match. That's pretty much the only thing I can think of. And I don't even think that was, I think that was a work. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but that like I said, that's a great shout though for that. And then the vignette time for Aoife Valkyrie. Uh, she's pissed at Ginny one with a lot of interference. Um, and she, she was near a shark cage. So hopefully Joseph Connors with his arm behind his back will be <laughs> suspended above the ring. Uh, Stevie Turner's at the PC interrupting yeah. Emilia McKenzie and James training session with Miko Satamora. She reckons Miko can't beat her. And I guess we got that in a few weeks because uh, Miko caught the arm and just said, I will snap this and hit you over the head with it. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> we get a flash morgue website and Wolfgang next week as well. And then our main event, Iron Man, A-Kid versus Jordan Devon. Of course, this is only half hour long, but A-Kid coming in with a dodgy knee. 
We get a cagey start as a kid pick Devlin's leg. Look for a hold as the Matt commentary tells us pretty deadly versus Mustache Mountain is in two weeks. Uh, things head to the ropes where Devlin stuck in a cheap shot. A kid shrugs it off and went back to the side headlock before Devlin hang a kid in the ropes and start to work over the previous injury knee. Forces a mission at nine minutes forty one. The match back to his feet. Devlin has a forearm for an exchange of strikes, but it's A-Kid ahead getting an earful that led to a Fujiwara armbar, then a cross armbar for the rapid tap at 18-14 to level things. Um, I wonder if this is going to end 2-1 like most Heritage Cup matches, but Devlin twangs the ring apron that A-Kid stops him. They pull him off the edge of the ring to the floor with a Devlin side. A-Kid dives in a nick of time to avoid a count out for A-Kid manages a super kick. For a slow near fall. It's back to the cross arm bar. They could look to eke out a fall, but he rolls back in fully on the platter instead. And eventually, Devlin submitted at 28 minutes and 30 seconds. And then, with 90 seconds to go, a rush against the clock with Devlin trying for a jackknife cover. Um, pairs swung with forearms as Aiken looks for another submission. And Devlin went for a flash pin. Another a- a- a headbutt dumps Aiken into the final 30 seconds, but he managed to kick out. And Devlin looks to snatch a fall via KO. Eventually, Deck and Aikid, but time runs out as the ref could only make a two count. Of course. Um, I, I mean, I'll leave it to you. You know, like I said, five episodes. What a way to end NXT UK this month. I agree 100%. You know, someone who uh, watched most of this in bulk and then got to the last episode, I'm glad I did save it because I really got a chance to enjoy it uh, instead of just trying to squeeze it in uh, so I can watch every episode at a time. Uh, this is like you said. What a way to to end that off, and uh, to be to, for me to be caught up. It was just, it was just great. When you book an Iron Man match, you know, a lot of times, in my opinion, I believe the workers have the workers involved have to be able to do almost not necessarily anything, but they have to be able to wrestle multiple styles within the same match and tell multiple stories, or at least more than one story within the same match because of how long the match has to go. And if you're gonna tell one story, you it better be you, you got to tell it the right way and put the right amount of drama into it. And I think this match had everything that you could really want as a wrestling fan. You know, mat wrestling, submission, you know, striking, story, the storytelling, and the limb targeting. Um, when you add not only the effect of the the story going into the match, but the story during the match that led to more, you know, uh, limb targeting and right and, and drama and. That last 15 minutes, you know, just a scramble and just, you know, trying to figure out was A-Kid going to uh, be able or one, which one of these guys were going to be able to break the tie. And then once the tie is broken, you go through another stage of the match, like you said, the last 90 seconds of trying to figure out was, was definitely going to find a way to tie this up or, you know, whatever it is. And, of course, you know, if tradition is such, because I've seen it happen in plenty of Iron Man matches, you get right right to the end and not enough time left. It, it was just, it was great. You know, it's the story that you want. I thought they put the two, the, the best. I thought A-Kid definitely should have prevailed based on this. And I thought, you know, based on what he's done, you know, work-wise, Devlin, in, uh, twice now in the last few times I've seen him being showcased, basically, in the Iron Man's uh, standpoint here and in that ladder match where he lost to Santos Escobar. You know, uh, Devlin, in my opinion, even though he lost this match, and A-Kid definitely still won and looked good, Devlin looked good in defeating both of those occasions, in my opinion. And I've seen people already label this match one of the matches of the year, and I think it deserves that consideration. Yeah, I mean, A-Kid is just a dude. Kind of, I love these types of wrestlers as well. Kind of flies under my radar a little bit. And right. just, just through in-ring talent, 
You know, like, a bit like Ishida, maybe, you know, early on in the year when he was just on fire. And Aiken, it just seems at the moment, everything he's doing is just delivering an in-ring perspective. And like we talk about personality-wise, maybe lacking. But if we look at it, you know, over five weeks, especially in, like, in a bulk way, like Blair Davenport and Jordan Devlin are more about them than anything else. You know, I think that would be fair to say. Um, what yeah. were your thoughts on NXT UK catching up on it? Is it saying that, you you know, like... Um, either comparing to a Dynamite or like a Raw or SmackDown. You know, what were your thoughts on NXT UK with the talent involved as well? Is it something kind of worthwhile? Because, you know, the thing is, you know, we talk about, you know, finally, um, with the WWE releases, you know, people like Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman, surely maybe closing down NXT UK as a brand to save money would might be more sensible than what they're doing now. I don't know what your thoughts on that and your thoughts on NXT UK as you've been watching this month? Uh, you know, I really do think it is worthwhile. You know, uh, my whole thing with NXT UK from the beginning was I didn't really understand why it had to be separated. But, you know, when I see what its identity and, like, the style of it, I can understand why it has been. But, you know, with like you said, with the releases and not really knowing, I don't even know if NXT itself, much less you know, NXT UK will exist. I don't even know if NXT as a brand will continue to exist when you keep hearing about the rumored NXT people backstage on them for main roster shows recently. Like you said, with more and more releases, you know, somebody's going to have to fill some of these positions on the road, most likely. Therefore, meaning NXT will probably be depleted in some areas or at least taken away. Like, you know, people are going to be moved around and doing other things. So, who knows what that what what could be in store as far as the future of NXT? But my takeaway is that NXT UK is definitely worth a worthwhile experience. It's a worthwhile addition to your weekly schedule of wrestling, just based off you know uh, the uh, not only the in ring work and the talent involved. I think what they have is is that since it's a short amount of time, they don't have three hours. They don't you know they're not even doing the two hour setup. They the most important thing is what you're going to be focused on every week, whether it's the match, whether it's the storyline, every vignette, every little backstage segment is literally connected to something that's important. And you remember it because of, like you said, like, or not like I said, but like I just said, because of the shortened time of, you know, of the show, everything that has that's on the show has to be important because they don't have time to waste with, you know, lengthy promos, whatever it is, you know, and all that type of stuff. That hour format makes this a lot more digestible, especially when you're on the run, uh, like I am when this airs. This is not something that that airs at night in America, especially from Americans. So when you think about it that way, I definitely think it's valuable if you're a fan of wrestling, especially uh, or a fan of some of these characters. So, not only are the people involved, like a Blair Davenport, like a Mako, like this women's division, like Tyler Bate, like Noam Dar, like you, like you said, some of the guys, some of the guys and girls, Volta and Ilya, those characters. Not only for their talent-wise, or I think it's worthwhile. I think because the most, I feel like everything they're showing me is very important, and I, I just love that. That's something that I don't necessarily think every other organization necessarily has. Is that everything has a similar important. It don't even have to be a title involved. It can be the cup. It, it can be just a, a, a blood feud. Everything feels important. And I think a lot of that is due to the way uh, NXT UK is set up. 
you know what? I didn't even think about that. And, you know, the thing about NXT UK, I've just realised now, like you said, that everything happens for a reason. It's not just kind of match. That's that's just happening for no sake. There's even, like I said, interactions backstage or in the performance centre and stuff like this. Like, I mean, and the championships mean something as well. Like, I talk about Kaylee Ray's 700-day reign, Volta's 800-day reign. Gallus held the tag team titles, you know, 350-plus. Um, so that's got going for it there. Uh, of course, like I said, we're next UK. There is a huge match coming up. Our Dragonoff versus Volta at TakeOver. So the next NXT update that me and Monty will do together, we'll add two episodes of NXT UK to that. And if you're up for it, Monty, next month, probably towards the end, we'll have another NXT UK catch-up with stuff on the network and, of course, the latest news as well. Sounds good to me. Just let me know ahead of time. But that sounds like a decent schedule, and uh, I'll be ready. You know, I, I, I enjoy not only doing this, recovering, uh, you know, reviewing NXT UK, but, uh, you know, with – with it being in conjunction with TakeOver, that big match that, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to continue to watch the build-up to it and just continue to watch NXT UK and just watch what some of these things that I've now established uh, and seen, got a chance to view. It'd be nice to see where these things go and, like, what, you know, all the possibilities that that possibly could be taking shape in the future. I love where NXT UK is at right now, and I just uh, I can't wait to do these updates. Well, like I said, it's it's great having you on. And before I do the outro as well, and you know, I was going to talk about it, is I love having you on as well. And, you know, either a contributor or something like that to WNR, for me, you are an official member of the WNR podcast. And you can take that how you want. You know, you can even say, well, I don't really care or whatever it is. But you are obviously a massive part of the team. NXT UK, NXT updates that we do. Uh, and there's also something happening big on the 21st of August. I'm trying to, say, like, I'm trying to arrange. I don't know if you'd be interested in um, a SummerSlam live party. I'm trying to get okay. everybody, everybody involved uh, so we can just have a talk about SummerSlam, go through the card, talk about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, maybe stuff that's happened elsewhere. And if you're up for it, or if you, even if you're free or anything like that. Sounds fun right now. I, my schedule is clear as of right now. Things come up, things uh, go away, so that can always change. But yeah, I'm I'm free, and again, just like any podcast you want to do, just let me know. I'm also honored to be a part of the family, be part of the WNR, uh podcast crew. This is fun for me. I really enjoy doing this. Uh, I'm I'm thankful for all of it. So yeah, I'm 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 available. Just let me know, and this is all. Good. Anytime we're just talking wrestling, just sitting back doing what I enjoy to do anyway, this is just all comes natural to me, believe it or not. You know, I sit back and uh, and just love. I have all types of opinions on anything that I get a chance to watch wrestling wise. So getting a chance to express them out here with you, getting someone who's just as much of, uh, you know, whether it's a fan or whatever, you want to consider yourself, you know, I enjoy this and I'm, I'm thankful again for this so anything you need just let me know ahead of time and we can figure it out without a shadow without like i said monty it's great to have you on don't forget because all social media twitter at the dubinar podcast i'm at the dubinar jr do you want to just let everybody know where they can catch you on twitter and elsewhere yes on twitter at my monty pod uh, uh i have a youtube channel that i'm going to try to start uploading more consistently too it's called monty's universe and I have my own podcast called The Mind of Monty Podcast. So if you ever just want to check that out, I will be updating that more frequently as the 
as weeks and the days go by. I just moved into my new apartment, so I'm still getting everything set up and figured out. But, you know, uh, everything is looking up. I'm getting, I have a lot more free time to be able to write and just enjoy creating things, whether it's the podcast like this, YouTube videos, articles, whatever it is that I'm doing. Uh, I try to have fun doing it and, you know, continue to talk about what we all love around here, and that's professional wrestling. So uh, I appreciate you guys. And yeah, check me out at Mind Monty Pod. Yeah, definitely check Monty out. Double know also on Facebook and Instagram across the Google platform. Send us an email, the double podcast at gmail.com, YouTube, double podcast, latest clips of the podcast. Got the same time you should do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify and IG's Vicky Download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode of Double Podcast will be AEW with Jaxi. Our next with Monty. Well, we have got the SummerSlam live party. We're going to have an NXT update. And then, of course, we've got review takeover as well. So it's going to be a very busy time uh, together. But until then, I've been James Rowan. And like I said, I was joined by Monty again. Thank you very much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed uh, the show in NXT UK and everything that we do here on the WNR. Thank you. It was all fun. All fun. Well, no problems for that. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Adios.